Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. I'm Kevin Oakley, and as always, we have with us Andrew Peak. How has your week been so far? Sir? It's been a fun week. We are um, like in between weather down here in Florida. It's it's summer feeling on some days. And other days, it's nice and perfect like today. It has been amazing. It's still in the 70s somehow, sunny out. It's it's nice. This is when I like Florida. April, kind of. I like um, Florida too. Just those, yeah. you know, you pull that same house in Ohio, drop it in Florida and add 200, 300 grand on the price. <laughs> so I don't like that, but I do like I the weather. I don't like that either. No, especially when you get by the beach, everything's built out. Yeah, prices are crazy. Yeah, um, anything yeah. fun happen yeah. this week a for you? A few things. I got a nice surprise from from the wifey, Lindsay. The shoes I talked about, I think it was two or three weeks ago, where I got remarketed on Instagram story. Those showed mm-hmm. up at the front door, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So oh, she must wait. have heard about it somewhere. Was, do you think she so, actually is listening to the podcast? I don't know. It was the first part <laughs> of the podcast, so it, you know it is possible. And I think I showed them to her. I'm like, oh, look at these. And I actually said like, because her father is also a big Florida State fan. Um, I went there, so of course I'm a fan. I'm like, I think you might like these. These could be like a Father's Day present because they're Florida State shoes. Ah, uh, okay. And you don't see them in the stores. Like you can't get them really anywhere except online. So because if our wives are listening, we're going to have to change our jokes. I know that too. And but or also, if she is, if she is listening, I might need to start adding in other things that. Could That's be right. Like yeah. <laughs> so I need to come up with some other ones. Um, and another thing, That's this awesome. is just kind of random. Um, it's kind of like, it's a, it's a small story before story. I'm just super excited about, um, videos. I've seen a few that some builder partners put out that, um, they're smaller builders. They still build a lot of homes, but they're not, they're not public. They're not national. And these things are awesome. Like they tell like a really good story. They're the quality on them. Like the production level is, is really good, but they're not overly done. Like they don't feel like they're, they're not. I don't, they're not stuffy. They're not cold feeling, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. So you want to keep watching it. And one I really liked was a story of um, a family that that built. It shows them um, at framing, at drywall. And it really, for me, it created this. And I'm down here in Pinellas County, Florida, where there's almost no new construction except big condos on the beach. And yeah, tear down and fill stuff where they're really, really high prices. And that's it. But I'm like, I need a new home. I need to build a new home. But just watching this, it was super exciting and just created this. For me, it made this demand. Like, I need a new home. So I could imagine if someone saw that and they're just getting started and they're actually able to buy in that area, it could really just push them over the edge. Like, we really have to do this. We need to go. Let's go right now. Put down the money. We need the new house. Yeah, the the quality level, you know, We've talked about this at different events like PCBC, the, the digitization and democratization that's happening where, you know, the equipment is so much less expensive. The expertise needed is um, in terms of turning the device on is is much easier. Mm-hmm. You still have to be a creative personality and know how to apply that tool. But yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, videos that used to cost $10,000, $15,000 or more in order to get those kind of production broadcast quality shots now you know, we're seeing people really start to take advantage of, of these, um, much lower barriers to entry to, to create, like you said, I mean, we're, we are the biggest critics on bad videos, probably for you and I, Big these are, these are, these are great. I mean, they are. um, They're and awesome. we're talking size wise, just for reference for everyone, you know, some of these builders are only doing a hundred to 200 homes a year. And I say only, cause some of you may be listening, doing five, but, um, 
I'm telling you, they're, they're, these videos are better quality than than folks who are, you know, oh yeah, have a billion dollars coming in. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. Yep. Yeah, they're they're awesome. They're definitely setting like that, like you said, like the new standard, the new expectation um, out there for the consumer. Because if they watch that video and then they see a quote low budget video, they'll go, oh, well, what else is this? How they work? Like this is okay for them to put that out there. So it's it might be some underlining thoughts that get created by the quality of the video. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I had one interesting pre-story story conversation with a, a company that I, I can't say their name or really who they do, but just the, the level of big thinking right now happening in our industry is incredible in comparison to where it was even a year mm -hmm. or two ago. You it's know, exciting. builders who don't even exist right now, but have lots of cash are getting ready to um, go to market and they are thinking incredibly differently. I mean, really thinking about the neighborhood as a system, just like home builders um, realize they needed to start talking about energy efficiency features as a system. Andrew, you know, back before um, the latest um, round of code changes that made a lot of these energy things standard, builders couldn't figure out how to get homeowners to want to pay extra for energy efficiency or green features in a home. Crazy and they, they realize you can't talk about a window being better or more efficient. You've got to talk about how the window and the insulation and all these different pieces work together mm -hmm. as a complete system. And I, I had a conversation with someone this week that I thought would be about 10 minutes long because I would get bored. And they were able to lay out a compelling story and vision for something that is totally transformational. And so I was just excited to, anytime I get to talk to somebody like that who has a vision and passion about doing things differently instead of just incremental changes, it was super fun conversation to have. That, so that is very cool. I think the underlining, not trouble, but the you know, innovation is caused by friction or inefficiencies like say Uber and the taxis, you know, competing against each other. Uber, I could call an Uber right now and have it here. Is this a drinking game? Do we, <laughs> I'm just this kidding. Should be a, this should you be you mentioned drink. Uber. <laughs> oh man. But there's so many inefficiencies with commuting yeah. and living somewhere. Like, even though like for us down here in Tampa, Tampa Bay, like if you want a new home, you are going to commute 45 minutes to downtown Tampa. Or if you live in Pinellas, you're going through Tampa to get to Pinellas hour and a half later, just to have the new home. It's very mm -hmm. inefficient. Um, I don't know. There's, I think that's the underlining thing. People are just not over that, but there's an opportunity to make things more efficient. There's no reason to drive two hours a day if you don't have to. So, yeah, no, yeah, and just cool. just kind of scrapping and doing things that build the, the companies who aren't starting from scratch would never even dare to consider because they'd be too worried yeah. about how it impact their their core business. Mm -hmm. All right, Definitely. let's get into it. Let's do some story time. This is yeah, I I think content for some reason is making me excited. Um, must be from Will from a couple of weeks ago. He talked about content on the podcast. Um, that's Will Duderstadt. We had a builder partner. They got new photos from a new photographer and I am like literally blown away like at how much better those photos represent the product. <laughs> like it is like, it's life changing. You know? <laughs> I, I joke, but it's crazy how much better. <laughs> it is how much better like quality photos, like 10 out of 10, nine out of 10, or even eight out of 10 compared to like photos that were like, okay, they, they're there. That, that is the kitchen. That is the family room. That is the exterior of the home. Mm -hmm. Just how much better you go there and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm impressed by that. Look how much better of a product that is. And there's nothing different. It's just the lighting and the angle of the lens. That's what's different. But the, the actual thing being photographed, the home did not change you know, whatsoever. 
it's still the same. Mm-mm. Yeah, so we, you know, we don't need yeah. those documentation of the crime scene photos. You know, this the this no, is this is where the where the person got shot and the little outline of their body and just kind of <laughs> this is this is reality, nitty gritty reality TV. No. Um, <laughs> and what's interesting, too, about that particular story or those particular photos is it's also a good example of knowing what your strengths are. And in this case, it was a, it's an owner who admits, you know, Hey, I don't, I'm, I don't like this whole sales and marketing thing, so, or I'm not as good at it. I, I don't enjoy it. It doesn't really, I, you know, give me a spreadsheet, give me operational stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. That's where they feel comfortable. And so it was interesting to hear the feedback even of when I saw the, the photos, I thought, man, these are great. I, I wonder what they think. And their response was, well, you know, those, those pictures look like really bright. Like when you go to the house, it's not quite that bright. Um, it's a little darker (laughs) and it was just a good, uh, also example of, and that's exactly why you hire professionals or partner with people who have, uh, that creative vision because dark homes don't get you leads. Is that a new t-shirt design? That that could be dark, dark (laughs) homes. Maybe we could wordsmith that a little bit, but something something along those lines. Yeah. But photos, 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 that's, it kind of goes back to the the video creating that demand for a new home. I think the, if they look at the new photos of the new home compared to an existing home that had the professional photos, now they're even more like, whoa, I could really see the difference between the brand new house and then the existing home. Even if the existing home had like a remodel, they could definitely see the difference. What I've talked a lot with people recently is that that emotional level that you have to hit that, that gets yep. past the, oh, I don't want to give my contact information to these people. They're, they, they're probably going to call or follow up with me. We know they're probably not unless they have an, an insider online salesperson, but consumers are afraid you're going to follow up and yep. you have to break through that emotional ceiling with enough good content for them to even want to, mm-hmm. to, to get excited enough to, to not yep. worry about that. Get them excited about the product. Yep. Get them going. And any stories from you? Yeah, I got a, I got a quick one and nice. you and the rest of the listeners can help me out here. And, and I'm working on a new analogy that, came up on a conversation a couple weeks ago and, and I think it works out pretty well. And that's that marketing new homes is like surfing. Um, you, you can do all you can to prepare. You can wax your board, get the right kind of board, get, you know, the gear and get your balance, practice, practice, practice. But the payoffs come either when the wave is coming in or, uh, when the, when the tide is going out, so to speak, you know, you, you at the end of the day, you can do a lot of the right things and not see that hockey puck change in direction in mm-hmm. lead count in traffic to the site, et cetera. But then when that wave hits uh, all of a sudden the jump up to the top in terms of results for that, for that marketing director is incomparable to the rest of the marketplace. And I've seen that happen over and over again, where, you know, it's one blog post, it's one video, it's one community that catches spark kind of, you know, in quotes goes viral, that suddenly has a huge impact, uh, along, of course, with the market overall getting better, or just everything lining up. And so just that encouragement uh, to home, home builders and, and marketers and advertisers of, you can do all those things right, and still, you just got to wait for the right wave. And being able to identify that wave correctly and prepare for that wave correctly is still a lot of the, the work that goes into it and, and what separates the, the winners from losers. But at the end of the day, 
the wave is what really makes all of the all of the things differ. How do you what do you, what do you think about that? I like that. I like that. I um I haven't surfed in a little while. It makes it a little bit more difficult over here on the Gulf Coast. We surf I have never surfed. So well, there you go. <laughs> I'm impressed by the analogy. Um, we have either hurricanes will bring nice waves on the west coast, of the Gulf Coast. <laughs> Those are fun. Um, and then also cold fronts when you know crosses will get nice wind, whatever, and it'll get the waves. But you'll be out there like you're saying. You're out there waiting and waiting. And waiting it could be like half an hour before like a nice set of waves comes in. But if you're not out there waiting, if you're not out there trying to get the other ones, then you won't get you know, the sale. So I, I think it's good because you have to do the work, you know, ahead of time for when it when it does come to you. When yeah, because the arrives. other part of that analogy that I'm making up right now is, you know, watching other surfers around you. And so mm-hmm. if you've got the preparation part ready and you can act fast, if you do see someone else starting to ride the wave, you should be able to react quickly and join them, so to speak, and Definitely. not let them escape escape where you are now. For sure. Uh, but if you're at home, like, hanging out watching TV, and you're not, not at the beach in the water ready to go, you will miss it. It'll be too late. Yep, yep. So that's, yeah. I think this uh, analogy might require a field trip in order to complete... Um, the picture, right? I should go. I should go surfing. If I'm gonna not start not to the Gulf Coast of Florida. You could go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other kind of piece with that is just can I uh, just a shout out to any sales leader who's listening to this podcast? Is we absolutely love it when you are honest um, in front of the rest of the the, the management team. And I was on a, another call with someone, and the topic about a particular struggling neighborhood came up, and the sales leader um, said, "You know, to be honest, though." we have like three of the five P's messed up right now. (laughs) And so, you know, between price, product, promotion, people in place, this guy uh, was like, Hey, you know, we're doing everything we can on the advertising side of things and and the promotion part of marketing. But the reality is we've got these three other P's price, product, and, and people that we really have to sort through. And I just, they're so difficult hard. and and even more difficult when you're putting that pressure on marketing to solve if they don't have the authority to do that um just get me more people you know doesn't doesn't fix it but the i think that's the that is certainly a, you know those teams that work well together and the sales leaders are calling it like they see them if it really is a promotion problem hey by all means put that pressure on marketing and advertising yep. to to drive the traffic but the the honesty to say Hey, I think there's other pieces to this is also just, um, super important, uh, as well. So definitely, definitely. I, honesty is good, especially if you're on the marketing side and you're stuck, like what is wrong with my ads? What is wrong with my page? That What is wrong here? And if you don't know, like, oh, it's a product and price thing. You're sitting there thinking that it's like your strategy, your ad, what you wrote in there is, is incorrect, but really it could be perfect. And it's just product and price. Yeah. You, you hear all the time, yeah. you know, leadership and, and strategy coaches saying things like, you know, you do the right thing for your people and they'll run through a brick wall for you. That kind of, that kind of talk. <laughs> I mean, a sales leader or an owner who will call those things as, as they are, you will get a marketing person who will go through a brick wall for you oh, yeah. when it is their fault. They'll, they'll figure it out, but they want to know that they're part of the team and valued um, for their contributions to that team. Definitely. All right, let's go over to news. We we have um, a little bit of a good situation for you. You're you're getting ready to head out of town to go to a wedding. I am Concord, so, North Carolina. It's gonna be a little cold. If anything breaks, you know, 
breaking news between now and, and Friday morning. Um, you'll just have to check out Andrew's Twitter. <laughs> My Twitter. I've been, you know, I've made this promise to Will that I would to, again, I'm bringing up Will all the time. Will do your status. I said, I'll be on Twitter the entire month of April. I haven't started yet. I'm, I'm a bad I person. was wondering. I need to do that. I'm very hesitant. I have. He's probably called mental... you out on Twitter like 10 times and you just haven't he realized He probably it. has. He needs to. So I, I need to start and make up for it. Maybe two times a day. That might be somehow to make up for it. I've been, I've been bad. So. Uh, but let's go through the news and get you on that plane to, uh, where are you going? Where's the wedding? It is in Concord, North Carolina. So we'll go to Charlotte leaving tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. Oh my. Nice. Oh boy. And then back <laughs> That'll be a good story. Back then. Sunday morning. That will Next be week. fun. All right. What's so the first article? Uh, first one comes from Search Engine Land, and it is, I think this is really important. Um, so Google is beginning to roll out the way that they index and crawl your website. Mm-hmm. And all that means is, you know, their their servers, their robots, their bots, whatever you want to call them, go through your website and figure out what it is about. And then they put it in their database to determine what words it should rank for and all these other signals. We'll need to have an SEO expert on the podcast at another time. And so what they're doing now is they're crawling the website as if they are on a mobile device mm-hmm. and that will be the preference. So if you're doing things like hiding content that on mobile or that's the big one, like if you're, say you have a bunch of text on your website on the desktop side, but on mobile, you're going, okay, display none. Don't show that one on mobile. Google will not see that content or they're mm-hmm. treating it as if they're not going to see it. So that could impact your rankings significantly because if they're going hey there's there's nothing on this site except for six pictures and a sentence versus on the desktop side it has 30 pictures and you know 500 words about that community or about that submarket that that yep. could have a big impact for those that have the websites programmed in that way yeah and we'll we'll post a link to the article as well as the full developer doc that Google has outlined and mm-hmm. I think there's cuz I've have had some people say um, okay, Kevin, does this mean I need to panic and quickly start building a whole new website because my site right now is uh, responsive, uh, but it's not, in quotes, mobile first. And so am I going to get screwed when this happens? And that I think it'd be good for us just to talk a little bit to clear up that potential confusion. You know, in the it's- past, Google has looked at um, mobile experience beyond just SEO terminology uh, or keywords, uh, keyword density, all those other kind of thoughts of what you're talking about with words on the site and being Correct. visible. What they're talking about is you're saying going more towards that direction of uh, not having two different crawls and comparing the desktop versus mobile, but just looking at mobile kind of on its own. Correct. Cause everyone's going or the trend is much more mobile traffic over desktop. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's the big words, and, and I'm sometimes not a fan of them, like responsive versus mobile first. They could be kind of trendy buzzwords to, I don't know, not deceive, but like they don't really mean anything until you, like, let's be on the same page with what that actually means. And then mm-hmm. I think it it is meaningful to have like in the, in the context. But in my mind, responsive is just you have the same programming for the site, but the styling in particular, like the CSS, um, which is says, okay, this is... 300 pixels wide, this is 800 pixels wide, just how it flows. And it should be responsive as in like if you expand it out to your desktop mm-hmm. and you shrink it down to a mobile, it's all the same versus old school, you'd actually have different files and everything for mobile. 
Yeah, you'd have a whole different site. You'd have that mobile site. I mean, I still, I still, it's like nails on the chalkboard when you see that, like, click here to view the full site. It's like, and that's, that's bad. So responsive just merges that all together. And then, and the mobile first is in, in my mind, just the, the, not, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like the intention of we are starting everything with mobile mobiles, like the priority yep. um, of the design. So when you get the mockups, like the focus is on, Hey, what is mobile versus like, well, here's desktop and Oh yeah, here's, here's mobile. We kind of, yeah, we shrunk it all for minute. mobile. We shrunk it all. Yeah, exactly. But again, so, what but to be, should to be the other way. Yeah. To be clear though, what this article is talking about is that it's going to be mobile first indexing. Google's not right. looking at it saying, did you design this site? with mobile first in mind, they don't know that. There's no way for them to know that. What they're no. saying is they used to take the text and the copy and the content from your desktop and then compare the experience, i.e. amount of time they were there. Did they complete the task they were looking to do? Was there a quick bounce rate, You know, long click versus short click? Now they're saying, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to look at the content that's on your mobile site. And so like you're saying, most of the responsive sites are actually going to be, for the most part, probably okay. Now, you can go to the developer Should doc. You can check it. But mm -hmm. as long as there's not crazy JavaScript or heavy load issues uh, trying to pull in content that's just not meant to be shown or is, cannot be shown quickly, you know, speed's a big Correct. impact. Yep. Mm -hmm. I don't think most of those people who have a responsive site are in, are in danger. Do you? Um, I don't think so. I think it's when they... Because I'd say like most people out there listening, they their site is responsive. They're not. They don't have that separate old version where it's like homebuilder.com/slash/mobile is mm -hmm. their version. But they do have responsive. But I think what they need to just double check and read the developer docs too. Um, you'll get super nerdy and smart doing that. Is just to make sure like you aren't one hundred percent removing information on the mobile site. Where like yeah. when Google crawls it, they're like, oh, there's only five images here, but on desktop you have. 25. It's exactly. And my, my experience has been that <laughs> this is ironic is that most mobile quote, mobile first designed websites are the ones that are actually hiding more content. That's sure. why mm -hmm. my experience has been people who start mobile first, like, well, we can't show all the stuff we've got to hide it or take content out. Whereas if it's responsive, all the content's there. Yep. 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 That's that's kind of what I'm unpacking from gotcha. this. But yeah, definitely go look at the developer docs uh, as we get closer to this and definitely. things roll out. I'd, we'll, I'd imagine, we'll talk about it again, yeah. I'm sure. And I'd, I'd imagine we'll have to watch out for it for our listeners. To, there, I'm sure there'll be some tool that Google will put out because they want good sites. They want a good experience on their end. So they'll. I'm sure they will assist in this. I'm sure they don't have... I guarantee they don't have a malicious, malicious intent to like mess everybody up. They'll like try to help everyone along this process. And they'll put a tool out there. I'll be like, here's what your site looks like with Google. And I'm sure all the SEO tools like Moz will, will also assist with this. So. Yeah, I feel like um, we'll check. And if, if we find a better tool after this goes live, we'll put the link in the show notes. But I'm pretty sure they've updated PageSpeed Insights to give most of that feedback. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, and, and also, I do know there's another one called browseseo.net. Mm -hmm. I'll put that link in the show note. But bro or b-r-o-w-s-e-o dot net um you can fetch your any, any page on your site as um, a search engine would and it'll show you what actual content is visible very nice and what's not very cool so that will help hey i like this next What's blog next post one? who's the who is the author of the this 
Oh my! Super impressive. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Uh, we and I don't usually do this, so I'm like, oh, I, sh- I will do this this week. It is a blog post that's it will be live here shortly, but it is it's one I wrote, and that's about how to create a custom report to find 404 page not found errors on your website. They're like little gremlins out there, like you don't know where they are, but they <laughs> pop up. I'm trying to think the worst case scenario. Um, 7:45 on a Friday night, you just got out to dinner with your significant other or your friends and you get an email from someone above you who could influence whether you actually have a job or not. And they're like, Hey, I clicked an ad and this is not working. I need this fixed ASAP. And you're like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible. And so the goal would be, you could find those ahead of time, you know, keep your street cred along with saving some budget, keeping Google happy. Cause Google doesn't really like finding pages that are not found. So the, it'll be up and you could, it has the outline of how to actually find those and where you don't have to go. Yeah. That's the them. cool part is because you can't find you kind of give the, the four step or maybe even three step. It's, that'd be even easier, but yeah, three or four not steps. very many step process. Very, and it's pretty easy to, to set up. Uh, to find that information yourself and even create a custom report to, to keep it in front of yeah, you. So that's, that's the cool part that analytics, you can make custom reports, which it just, every report you look at is quote a custom report, but Google already built it for you. So if you click source, if you go to acquisition, then source medium, think of that like, Oh, that's just mm-hmm. a custom report Google made. So these are ones that you made and it keeps them separate. So this one would be like your page not found report using analytics and then it shows you where that traffic came from and what page they tried to get to and then how many times that happened. And hopefully you don't see anything across the board or you see very little where you're like, okay, that person mis- misspelled the word. I can't do anything about that. But if you see like yep. your um, qualityhomebuilder.com slash communities slash, I don't know, the market you build in and you see that one spike up, oh my, <laughs> that's that's not fun. Yeah, get that fixed. Yeah, that's a bad yeah, one. Yeah, get that fixed. And this will do it. You could have it emailed to you every day if you want, um, or you could just, I'd say, set a calendar and check it on your your Friday afternoons or, or Monday mornings. Get it done. Yeah, website Fridays. Website Fridays. For sure. Very cool. All right. What's the next one? This one, I, I was so hesitant to talk about this because it's been like, this is the third week in a row. Continued Facebook saga and their nah, everyone wants to know it's, about it. It's it's a it's, it's a good on and on. Um, so late Wednesday night, uh, Pacific time. So I'm sure like midnight East Coast time. Facebook cut off. You know, Facebook owns Instagram. They cut off all third party API access to Instagram. Like without warning, they just wow. did. It. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and Instagram has kind of stayed out of the headlines as far as privacy. Mm-hmm. But it's one and the same as far as Facebook owns that's Instagram. That's still that's still one of my favorite conversations with people is they're like, you know, yeah, I'm really worried about Facebook stock. Uh, I'm like, well, do you do you like Instagram? Are you worried? No, Instagram's great. And you're like, well, they <laughs> they, they, own, they own them. I think yeah. what what did they buy it for? I think it's like one billion, one point something. Oh, wow, yeah, two two billion, two billion I think, off? just um, a billion off. You know, mm-hmm. maybe one to two. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a big. <laughs> That's a big number. Insta, Insta, share a picture and put a picture in the cloud. Um, yeah, I think that's crazy as far as thinking like all these third-party applications that have a business where people are paying monthly subscriptions for to like help manage their Instagram. Like, boom, no longer works. All this stuff. It's yeah, it's intense, but it's you know the data, data privacy. Well, and they have to protect again because of what we just talked about people not really connecting the two or associating the two mm-hmm. and even articles i love the quote one this one lady said 
you know, I've deleted my Facebook account, but you'd have to pry my Instagram app from my cold, dead hands. Like, I'm not giving that thing (laughs) up. So I think it's just a good proactive move to to make sure that they're okay there. Um, We'll we'll circle back to this a little bit more probably when we read the the feedback from the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group on our question of the week. But it is interesting. Uh, Just it's choppy waters ahead. Uh, back to the surfing analogy, it's there's going to be a lot of these headlines. Just everyone, please keep keep yeah. calm, relax. Uh, Google the headline from another source and see if they're actually um, not just trying to scare you and, and get your attention because of that that fear out there right now. For sure. And if we're out there surfing, there will always be choppy waters and there'll always be calm waters. Like it's it's inevitable. So I mean, you have to take it for what mm-hmm. it is. Like it's going to happen. And it will happen again and again and again. So, yep. cool. And the next one is Google AdWords. Again, on Google, they're trying to be really nice to us, which I, they definitely have good intentions here. Um, they'll, they will start suggesting new ads on your account, which seems cool, but they'll actually start putting them in automatically without your permission if you don't do anything. What? what? They're writing ads for you based on you know machine learning, and it sounds so cool. Um, but for us, oh, our strategies of, of how we view AdWords and how we want to how people search for homes and, and mimicking that process in AdWords to help get the highest quality click, we don't really want this because what we know how to get. Like you and I both know, we know how to get a lot of clicks and that super high click-through rate and get everybody clicking on the ad, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as leads and appointments. So Google might apply those types of strategies because it gets your performance up. It makes them more money. I'm sure it gets more clicks. Not not even might. I don't think it's a question. I mean, every single time we log into our, our master AdWords account that gives us access um, because all our builders keep their own accounts in AdWords so they, they can get in as well. When we get in our master account and start looking at someone else's account through that account every single time. Hey, did you know that you could, you could be increasing your results by doing X, Y, and Z, usually by adding in a whole bunch of terms around the word home mm-hmm. or real estate. <laughs> it's like, I know we could get, you know, a whole bunch more clicks, but they're still in comparison, those clicks are still going to be so much more expensive oh, yeah. than going through paid social or some other method. Definitely. Uh, expensive in two ways, like the actual cost per click and then like the quality of the click. So if the, the quality of that click, they spend a minute on the site and it costs more mm-hmm. instead of a cheaper click and they spent two minutes on the site. So now it's almost four times the cost if my funny napkin math made any sense there. Um, if you could monetize the quality of the click based on what they do on the website. That's the the intention of my funny math. But the good thing with the ad suggestions, you can opt out of them. Here's the bad part. If you're not using the new AdWords interface, you won't see the the option to opt out. So you have to use the new interface, which no one, I'm, I mean, I've been doing AdWords for like, oh, it's going on nine years now. And I've used that interface for nine years, probably every day. Um, that's insane. The old one, insane yeah. to think about the old one, correct? So even I like I don't like to really look at the new one, but I'm like, where is this setting? It's just account settings, settings, and it's right there. It's one of the main. There's only four options in the settings. It wasn't there. I'm like, oh, they hit it in the the new interface. 
Yeah, and this is not actually a news article that we can link to. So what we'll Mm -hmm. have to do, um, maybe once you get back from your wedding, you can shoot a quick screen capture to just show people where this is and we can add it to to the blog at doyouconvert.com. Good idea. uh, To let people know how to get to it. All right, well, that does it for the news this week. Uh, Coming up next after the break, we are bringing in someone... Uh, that is very special to us. His name's Brian McCarthy. He's the owner, uh, co-owner, co-founder of Abrazo Homes out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we're going to pick his brain about what owners and CEOs really think about marketing's role in the organization. All that fun stuff and more. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. We've got Brian McCarthy, uh, founder, co-founder of Abrazo Homes in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with us on the line. And we're asking him, we asked him to come in today so that we could ask his perspective on marketing from an, from the viewpoint of an owner or someone high up in management. Uh, you know, obviously, we're always in love with what we do as marketers and advertisers, but we don't always know exactly how that is viewed from the perspective of an owner. So Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Kevin. It's my pleasure to be on the show and I, I appreciate the invitation. Anytime you, uh, Brian is one of those guys that you're going to want to reach out to and connect on LinkedIn and, uh, follow everywhere because, uh, he gets it. So we didn't just ask any owner on the program. I guess I should qualify that as he's an exceptional hmm. owner. Um, but Brian, this is going to be a very casual conversation. Just want to pick your brain about perspectives um, f- from an owner uh, at a home building company. First, though, give us just a quick, you know, elevator story of of Abrazo Homes. Sure, of course. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we went back. Uh, our history as a company goes back to 2010, which historically was kind of the worst time ever to start a home building company. <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, first time homebuyer tax credit had just passed. So a lot of people had jumped off of the fence and there was uh-huh. really a, a lull in the market right when we started the company. It was a big challenge for us, but um, ultimately what happened is there was a fantastic, there were great opportunities to buy and other builders in the market. I, I had been the division president formerly of another large production builder here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh-huh. I knew essentially what other builders had paid for their lots in the area. And in 2010, no builder wanted to buy more lots. And <laughs> right. the, the sellers, of course, then had uh, excess inventory on the ground and <clears throat> they had, you know, it was a steal of a price. So we put in an offer and we were originally going to just move forward on an option contract. And uh, we we quit our jobs and said, let's do this. This is myself and my business partner, Mackenzie Bishop. 
Wow. And short, shortly afterwards, it was 48 hours after we'd quit our jobs, the seller of those lots called us back and said that the uh, the bank had issued notice to foreclose, and he was, in fact, going to lose them. But uh, long story short, we ended up working out a deal with the bank who agreed to finance us. And in doing so, um, you know, Abrazo Homes was born. So it was myself and Mackenzie and a little construction trailer and two cell phones in 2010. And uh, we we had to do it all. We did the, you know, the yep. building, the sales, the marketing, the accounting, the sweeping of the houses and laying plans out for the inspectors and, and everything <laughs> <laughs> everything else under the sun. So, and flash forward now uh, in 2017, how many homes did you guys close? Uh, we closed 104 homes in 2017, and we were the number four builder in our market. Uh, there are three nationals, and we had the uh, the number one uh, permit volume amongst local builders in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in 2017. See, so guys, I told you he's not any owner. This definitely, you can tell this guy's smart. Um, and, Maybe a little bit of quote unquote luck uh, on the timing part of it, Brian, but we all know how luck works out. You still have to be prepared to take advantage of it. So, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to grill you. You ready? I'm ready. I made you feel comfortable and said this was casual, but no, now you're on the hot seat. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. So first question is, uh, do you personally view marketing as a cost center of the business or a revenue driver? Uh, it's, it's both of course, but it's, it's a, it's a revenue driver. Um, <clears throat> you know, in our business, the value of any one transaction is extraordinary. And, mm -hmm. uh, the, the cost of marketing while of, in aggregate, it's not, it's not inexpensive. Um, but the return on investment is always, always worthwhile when, when the marketing is placed appropriately. Uh -huh. So it's, it absolutely drives revenue to the business. Um, and we have to be very, very cognizant about our brand, how we represent ourselves to our, our customers, how we acquire customers. And, uh, we got to do it well because this is the largest financial commitment that most people will ever make. And we've got to make a first impression and, uh, be, be in front of our customers when it's time for them to buy. Yep. Good, good start. You're doing well so far. Now, I know um, for those of you who don't know, Brian is also part of what's called a Builder 20 group. To, to be involved in those groups is fantastic. And I don't want you to say any of their names because we don't want to get you in trouble the next time you go to one of those groups. But do you think, um, what percentage of the owners in the in the group you're in do you think see marketing as having uh, uh, the same kind of benefit that you just described versus some kind of saying, man, I wish I could just get rid of all of it? Uh, well, th that's an interesting question. I think everybody brings their own um, local perspective to that topic. Mm -hmm. There are there are markets or um, or you know builders or business opportunities that create unique either challenges or opportunities. But um, you don't need to be as good as in marketing if you're building homes in in. Uh, Dallas or Phoenix or Denver or some of these other markets that are experiencing tremendous growth. Um, in many cases, there are builders who spend very, very little on marketing and they just put a sign in their yard and the house miraculously sells 48 hours later. That's not the case in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So uh, we we have to um, spend more time and effort and 
resources in terms of getting our getting our message out there and acquiring customers. Yeah, I think that's fair to say for sure. I think the one thing that those builders who find sales easier, um, we'll talk a little bit about the five P's in a minute, but you know, if, if the product and pricing is essentially selling the home in a good market, when that market turns, I'm always concerned with, does the owner understand that when those easy levers are gone, if they don't have the right way of thinking about how to approach marketing, uh, they're, they're going to get stuck with kind of thinking, man, all I have left then is to slash my margins to zero. Does that make sense? Correct. Yep. And that's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to engage into price wars with our competitors or really with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. A fun one. That was a, that was, that was a tough one here. Here's a fun one. What's the biggest mistake that you have ever made uh, in marketing or your company or that you've seen another company do? It's always more fun to talk about others. Um, but the, the biggest failures in my opinion are those that take this shotgun approach of um, trying to get some huge message out there um, in hopes that a small percentage of that audience is paying attention to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if you ask me the biggest failure, I might say, um, you know, every Super Bowl, Super Bowl ad ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> these, the idea of trying to, and uh, you know, there's this happens again and again in Albuquerque. You know, people will um, spend big money on promoting, let's say, a local sports team uh -huh. or a a, pop, a billboard in a popular intersection or something to that effect when. When realistically, most people are at the sports game to watch the sports. Most people are are driving to work and not paying too much attention to the billboards. Or if they are, you know, it's 0.1% of the audience is actually in the market for right. a home. Yep. So, and these these turn into you know quickly can turn into ten or twenty or fifty thousand dollar mistakes. This was a couple of years ago, Brian, but. A certain master plan neighborhood that spent a rather large amount of money and got not much for it. Any, any kind of version of that story you feel comfortable sharing? Sure. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a big uh, there. There is a master plan community in our in our market that that uh, has over a thousand lots, and there was a big kind of, obviously it, the subdivision went through the crisis in 2008 and nine, mm -hmm. and uh, changed, changed owners for a, a great price. So the new developer came in, they're out of town, big time developers, and they spent a lot of money on cable TV ads. I mean, this was a $200,000 marketing budget on cable TV ads, print ads, newspaper, um, radio, online. Yes, that's everything. the sound of money dying that you hear in the background. Correct. <laughs> and and we were, of course, one of the builders in this master plan, and I was trying to figure out how do the leads flow um, from their website. So using my online alias, I logged into their you know beautiful website, very pretty to look at, and I submitted a, an inquiry and never heard back. And 10 days later, we had a meeting with the marketing firm and the big fancy developer. And I, I asked how leads are being managed. And they said, well, we don't get that many of them. 
and <laughs> I, I pointed out to, the, to them that I had submitted an inquiry 10 days earlier and had never gotten a response. And everybody looked around the room like, well, who's, who's responding to those? I don't know. I thought you were. I, I thought you were. And it looked like it was just a quarter million dollar, uh, quarter million dollar mistake. Well, my favorite part of that story is, uh, if you remember this, we started bidding because it's not like they're your competitor. You're, you were in that neighborhood selling homes. Correct. And so we, we plugged in that master plan community name into AdWords and they, they were spending all this money on this mass market messaging, but they weren't doing anything on AdWords around their own name. And so we kind of were like, man, this is, this is great. They're spending this money to reach a mass audience. Then when they go and they do a search, what shows up is the ad for this one particular builder connected to that plan. And, um, absolutely. It didn't take a genius. So yes, <laughs> correct. Yeah. Still, still to this day, Kevin, it's amazing, but we, it, it, we're now in three different master plan communities and, and anytime we set foot in a new community, I, I go online and <laughs> obviously in New Mexico, we use a lot of, uh, Spanish vernacular and a lot of items that are more unique, mm -hmm. but, um, I literally just type in the name of the community into GoDaddy or into registrar.com, uh, registrar.com. And it's, it's amazing how often the domain name for the master plan community is open. <laughs> so I just essentially have bought, I've bought five or six domain names that are, you know, masterplancommunity.com, fill in the blank, and uh, someone else goes out and spends money to promote the, the name of this community with old traditional marketing. And if you type in the search terms, they, they come straight to us. I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, what do you think is the hardest part for owners in general? Again, back to your, your 20 club to understand what marketing's role is or is not. I'll tell you a funny story. I, I um, got my master's degree and my master's in business administration. I finished that program in 2005. And I remember a, a, a um, customer who came into one of our homes was talking to me and said she was about to start the exact same program. And she said, well, now I see that you're in business and I'm starting and I'm taking a marketing class next, I start next week. So what, what were the most uh, compelling um, items you learned in your marketing class that you apply to your business today? <laughs> and it was a really hard question, but, you know, I paused and thought about it and said nothing. <laughs> and she, she looked at me blankly and I said, no, I'm, I'm very serious. In 2005, there was no YouTube. There was no Facebook. There was no. We, there were banner display ads on Yahoo, uh -huh. um, but the the primary media that were being um, taught and promoted and mar for marketing and advertising were television, radio, and print. And we use none of those three today. And it's amazing to me that um, the world of marketing has changed so quickly. And so dramatically that in in less than 20 years, um, you know, three essentially three of the the biggest media media of the last hundred years are no longer relevant to our industry, and uh, the emerging technology and the, and the emerging um, uh, methods of of communication are are not being taught in school. They're not being 
promoted. They're not. They haven't made it to the textbook yes, yet. Yet, and uh, and that's all we're inve- we're investing yeah. in. So it's it's amazing the the paradigm shift that can occur in less than in ten years. And I think it's a big challenge for a lot of owners to wrap their head around how can something that has been so tried and true for decades uh-huh. or years be obsolete. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, uh, our our internal joke between Andrew and I is that you know no no one still. I just talked to actually someone who graduated uh, a couple months ago and I said, tell me, you know, what about, you know, Google analytics did you learn? And she's a marketing, uh, digital communications, marketing double major, I think real smart gal. And she's like, honestly, nothing. Wow. Um, I've had to go and sign up for my own Google analytics courses from Google just to learn the basics. And that doesn't even really apply to, to really how business uses it, but just how Google wants to talk about how Google would like you to use it. And, um, so for sure, they're, they're still not teaching this stuff. And I think you're right. I, I know uh, one person in particular in your 20 group, which shall remain nameless. Um, I went on, he had a beautiful community that was open and it had been open. The model was open for two or three months. And on the webpage for the community was still pictures of the home, the, the development, like with dirt being moved and no green grass. And it was like, anything that was grass was dead. And it's like, I don't understand why I'm not getting more right. traction on this beautiful place. I'm like, you know, where, right. Well, and that, that is another item that's, that's changed is the speed of marketing is, is just an order of magnitude faster than it was a yep. decade ago. Um, the ability at which we can deliver content and, uh, create content and, you know, take video from from the model home to the website in the same day. I mean, these are things that just didn't happen 10 years ago. And if you planned a television ad, you had to plan it three months yeah. in advance. It was, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly yeah, things and, can change. And how often the and consumer's it, coming back too, I think, Brian, is, you know, they're coming back to your website again and again and again and again, whereas, you know, otherwise it's once every Sunday they're opening up the paper. And so... You know, you update the pricing or add photos Correct. or ch- update the site map. People notice that stuff. And they see the retargeting ad and they mm-hmm. they click again. They screenshot it on their phone or, um, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a hundred different ways now for people to interact with uh, our company yep. and our message. Okay, we're going to wrap up here. The last couple questions. Which okay. of the five P's of marketing? So we've got promotion. We've got product, we've got price, people, and place. Which of the five P's in an ideal scenario? Obviously, you got to have the right kind of person running the show. Who, who? But uh, which of those five P's do you think marketing has a role in? You say it's just promotion. Is it promotion and some product stuff? Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Uh, it, it's incumbent upon builders to showcase their product and and. And the way that they can do that is, of course, through uh, creating exceptional content and getting that message out there, whether it's on a Facebook ad or a retargeting message. Um, but uh, ultimately, I see marketing as it's, it's a chain and it is, it is the, the funnel, so to speak, in terms of you have to have a, an accept, exceptional message that grabs, grabs a prospect's attention. Um, a good call to action, an excellent website, and you know some ways to to really um, 
engage the customer, whether that's through an online sales counselor or interactive design on your webpage or something, but really has to be a very hyper-personalized process. Uh-huh. But, but, uh, and then it has to get down to, ultimately, we need them to cross the threshold into our model home and experience our people. And, and the people at our point of sales, we spend so much time on, on training and education and development of our staff because I, I believe in today's day and age that builders are eliminated, they're not selected. I think the customer is, is putting together uh-huh. a short list of six or eight or 10 builders and whittling and, and crossing them off the list. And it's, a, it's at times a battle of last man standing. And your frontline people can absolutely make or break a sale uh, at, any, at any given time. But it's it, the marketing to me is this cohesive chain of having a uniform and consistent message all the way from the moment of, of first touch and customer acquisition all the way through, um, of course, purchase agreement, construction, delivery of the home, and even warranty. And we have to market internally to our, our, all of our staff as opposed to externally to every single, every single prospect in the world. It's, I, I need to have my message perfectly clear and defined with every single person on our company who touches the customer. I love it. What I like about that is it's not necessarily one person's job in the organization, you know, because, you know, I'm just not everyone's going to have someone who has the skill set to do because what you're really saying is marketing equals how I do business. And when you talk about all five of those P's and it has to have a strategy and a execution around all five. But it doesn't have to be owned by one single person. If you're a builder, listen to this and you're thinking, well, I've got someone who's really just a designer. Okay, probably don't want them involved in in pricing and market research and that kind of stuff. But the concept of marketing as a as not a person but a a department or a role in the organization it's 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 throughout the whole the whole thing. Right. It's a philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's everyone has to buy into what we sell. And if they're not bought into what we sell, at some point we will break the chain. Yep. We will. We will lose the customer's trust. We will mess up. Uh, if the superintendent doesn't believe in the product that they're building, they're going to cut corners. And um, and ultimately, it, it can be one of the greatest challenges in this industry. But if it's done right, it can deliver exceptional results when everybody everybody is bought in. So the marketing is not just external. I love it. Brian, we could have you on for hours, but you have a company to run. <laughs> so I really appreciate you coming on. And um, it's my pleasure. You guys are always up to great things. And I, I certainly appreciate the, the opportunity and uh, look forward to visiting with you again. All right. We'll be right back with the question of the week. All right. Well, thanks so much for Brian for coming on again. Always good to hear perspective from the top. Let's, uh, Andrew, get into the question of the week uh, from last week or the answers to the question of the week from last week that we sent out to everyone in uh, the Facebook Market Proof Marketing Group, which was? Um, Here we go. Have you changed your own social media use as a result of the data leak slash privacy news around Facebook? What about others in your family or circle of friends? What have you seen personally, Kevin, on your side? Very, very little. I do know of one person who deleted their Facebook account, but that person was someone who would log on maybe once a month oh. just to 
I don't know, they were really bored, had gotten through all their Netflix shows and thought, I don't know what else to do. And so they opened up Facebook. Um, so the, the, the goal here was just try to get some, some data points of, is anyone out there actually changing their habits in our circles, Mm -hmm. uh, or people that we know? And, you know, Will, Will Duderstadt hopped in right away and said, no change. Facebook only knows what I want it to know about me. I like cats, waffles, Jeeps, gardening, and new homes. Uh, later on, we also found out he has a, a particular thing for Louis Vuitton handbags. That is interesting. Um, as well. You'll have to go there to read more about that. That is awesome. Uh, Martha Clifford said no. Uh, with the emoji, cross, crossing arms emoji, I agree with Will. Um, except my hand, my, my likes are a little bit different. She likes cheese and handbags that, that also goes in there. It's fancy. Um, I, I really liked Heidi, um, Schroeder as well. She said, you know, at this point, I think we all have only two choices. We either all in or Luddites. I don't, I'm gonna have to Google that. I don't even really know what that means. I get the context though of what she's saying. (laughs) If a person uses the internet in almost any forms, our information is out there. We can't put the genie back in the bottle. So it doesn't make sense to delete social media accounts at this point. That's true. Um, That's true. It's out there. Yeah. I mean, I just don't, it's all gonna, they're already going to be able to track you from everywhere. I mean, does anyone get annoyed? The thing that actually tracks us more than anything else is Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't hear anyone complaining about the fact that when I log back into Amazon, it's like, hey, you once bought this thing. You might want to buy this stuff over Definitely. here. Who's freaking out about I, that? They have our credit card information. Everything. They charge us a yearly fee to get Your faster address. shipping. Did they just buy um, Ring, the doorbell? Yep. They just bought Ring. They have access to your mm-hmm. house now um, to drop off packages. I don't see any freak out about weird. That's, you know, all the power yeah, and, and the data they that's have. That's like a physical privacy versus like you on the internet. Um, and I've, I've personally haven't seen really anybody change or even like mention of, of this whole thing on Facebook among my friends on there. Um, the one part that as far as like that I think is weird is just like the Facebook, not the Facebook, Facebook's ability to recognize your face. That part is the only yeah. one where I'm like, eh, that's kind of weird because they have, they know where you are. They know all these things about you and connecting all those, like they could theoretically have a Facebook camera somewhere and then like, oh, that's Andrew Peak. He's at this place. Yeah. But, but see, Snapchat like, takes it one level further because Facebook recognizes the faces of the images you've uploaded yep. to Facebook. You pull up Snapchat to do the face swap and it just goes right through your camera roll and says, oh, here's all the faces we found, whether you, that is crazy. you know. Um, so the winner, uh, this week is Andy Gossman, who says not one bit. I've always assumed none of my data or information on the, on the internet of things is secure. My parents are the only (laughs) safe ones on earth as they don't operate a single form of social media and use my Amazon private benefits. So even he uh, hooked into the Amazon Andy, you win, not just because of a great answer, but because you also posted a picture of what is uh, supposed to be Will's cat being choked to death by a waffle um, and made a great joke uh, about his habits uh, at Strader's Garden Center. So that's the trifecta two there. Two. That is the Andy. trifecta. Congratulations. All that right. Awesome. Uh, let's let's wrap things up then for this week, Andrew. Where can listeners find you at? Yep. Uh, Andrew Peak DYC on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, on the doconvert.com website. And where can they find you at? All over. Uh, Google Kevin Oakley or visit doconvert.com. 
Perfect. Hey, everyone, have a fantastic weekend. Uh, oh, quick update, too. We did get a listener um, added in North Dakota, I believe, but we're still missing Sweet. Nebraska. Um, Nebraska. We do not have any listeners in Nebraska and Australia, man. It just keeps growing. So all of you Aussies, have a fantastic week out there. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.